it is to gather together as your church, to be in this place this morning, to sense your presence here. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that today you're going to speak to our hearts. Today, by your Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, you're going to plant seeds in our hearts. Seeds that are going to produce a wonderful harvest. We just want to thank you, Jesus, that you are building your church and you're enabling us to serve you as you build it. So we honor you today and we thank you. And we never take it for granted. We never take it for granted, Lord Jesus, that you've allowed us to come into this family to be a body to be your people that are called by your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Come on, let's give Jesus another praise in this place. He is so wonderful. And you can be seated. Let's thank our musicians this morning. I'm telling you now, they bless us. Well, well, look at this sofa. I may have a little lie down on that. I'm feeling a bit tired. Wonderful. Look at this sofa, and we're going to bring the podium up. Well, it is a great honor, and I'm, I, I mean a great honor, a great honor for us to have the Gideon Society here with us this morning. Come on, church. Let's give Jesus thanks. We have got, we have got Glenn. I'll ask them to come up in a few moments. But I just want to really give them a, a, a great inter- introduction. They're going to they're be speaking to us this morning and taking the majority of the service. And I'm telling you now, please keep your heart open. And what we're going to hear this morning is going to be absolutely wonderful. I'm sure many of us have been blessed by the little Gideon New Testament. How many people, just out of interest... As in some point in their lives had a Gideon, a little Gideon New Testament. I tell you, it's been such a blessing to me. Alan's holding one up there. Do you know what? It's been such a blessing to me over many, many years. That little index at the front, I don't know how many times I've gone through it, reading about when I've been fearful or depressed or needing encouragement. It's led me through many, many dark valleys, and God's Word has come and brought light. But I just want to encourage you this morning, because Jesus, Jesus is in charge of this church. And he's building this church. He really is. And uh, it was, I think it was November time last year that Daniel came home from school one day with a little Gideon's Bible. And uh, Glyn and Jennifer had gone to the school just to share with the pupils about what the Gideons do. And they'd given many, many Bibles out that day. And Daniel came home with the Bible. And of course, I'd seen the Gideon's Bible, uh, many times. But he was so excited, so excited about this Bible. And I, you know, I was excited that he was excited. But then he said, Dad, he said, did, did you know how the Gideons started? And of course, I didn't. I didn't have any idea. And then he went to page, is it page 46, Alan? Page 48. 
page 48. He went to page 48 and he began to read it to me um, as to how the Gideons started. And if you don't know, I'm sure um, the team will tell you after and you'll be able to read it for yourself. But it's a miraculous, a miraculous story as to what God can do. Daniel was so infused about that. I thought, right, when I, after I read the story, I thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to go on the website and I'm going to find out how we can get Bibles and the Gideons and just get involved in some way. And then it was almost, I don't, you know, it must have been the Holy Spirit, right? That's the only person that I can put it down to. He, he, he said, it was like he said, no, don't do that. Don't contact them via the website. I'll sort things out, right? So I just left it. I left it. I thought, no, do you know what? If God wants the Gideons to come here, then he can arrange it. Within two weeks, now this church has been going some 30 years, right? And, you know, we, we haven't had a visit from the Gideons, right? Within two weeks, we're getting a phone call in the office saying that the Gideons want to visit the church. So I'm telling you, I think God knows, God, I tell you now, God knows far better than, than I know. Jesus knows what he's doing in this church. And this, I believe, what we're going to hear and see this morning is, is, I believe, planned by God. These, these people are wonderful people. Wonderful people. You couldn't wish to, to hear from finer people. As soon as I met Glenn and Alan, as soon as they came into my office, right, within seconds, I thought, my God, the, I've got the, the church, I've got to expose the church to these people because they are such a blessing. And this is what happens. This is the kind of heart and character and spirit that you get when you devote your life to the Word of God. Let's give them a massive welcome. They're going to come and bless us this morning with this presentation. Yeah, you can stand to your feet. It's right to honor servants of God that have devoted their lives to sharing the gospel of Jesus. Bless you, Glenn. Over to Glenn. Come on, let's give him another round of applause and a cheer. Well, good morning to you. I've got to thank you for the wonderful welcome we have had from everybody here. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. And we have come to share with you what the Gideons International is, God is doing with through this ministry of the Gideons International. My name is Glyn. My wife is on the settee next to Alan, and his wife Brenda has gone off to do the children's talk. I expect many of you have seen this Bible around hotel. Or, many of you had this little red testament, I know Daniel did, in school. So, 
that's the start of it. But we want to show you where else Gideon's put Bibles. And to save our voices, we're just going to show you a short eight-minute DVD so where God allows us to place Bibles in the pathways of life. Show the DVD, please. Every hour of the day, every day of the year, around the world, Gideon's place God's word. Two copies every heartbeat, in over 180 countries and in more than 80 languages. In schools, hotels, prisons, uniform services, homes for the elderly, universities and colleges, and hospitals. Proclaiming God's message of love, hope and salvation to win the lost for Christ. My husband had always been as fit as a fiddle. And then one morning he woke up with severe chest pain and I called the doctor who sent him into hospital because he thought he'd had a severe coronary thrombosis. I'd only been a Christian about a year and I was sitting in the day room and I was utterly distraught and frightened and I saw a Bible in the corner and I picked it up and I opened at Psalm 46 and frankly the first nine verses didn't mean much to me. And then I read verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. The fact that there was a Bible in the day room, for me, I don't think, frankly, I'd have coped without it. Now, I freely admit at that time, I wasn't well versed in the Bible, but I do genuinely believe that God pointed me to Psalm 46, verse 10. As a chaplain in the hospital and on a hospice, there are moments of opportunity to help that person begin to engage with that spiritual side of things, the deeper inner life. So the Gideon's Bible close by enables us to find that passage and read it with them and explore it. Most places I've been to, they've been pretty accessible and used. Very often, you know, you can walk into a bay and a patient's actually sneaking a look at a, a little, little Gideon's Bible. It's been a joy really to see medical staff receiving Gideon's New Testaments, there are those who've treasured them and have taken them with them through their career. When the Gideons came into my school, uh, I remember them walking in. I remember them having a big bag full of little red books. They were very smartly dressed. And I also remember the big beaming smiles. If we had different issues in our life, there was um, advice at the front of this book. God bless you. Thank you. It wasn't until I actually opened up the book and started to read and think, was the authors of this book writing with me in mind? <laughs> 
that um, I discovered that it was an extremely special, most important thing. I think the thing that, that made me ask Jesus into my life, it's not hard to do. You just ask him into your life. Um, that's what the Bible says. I've still got the, the original copy that I was given. And even now, that is the copy of the Bible that I'll go to when I'm feeling depressed or lonely. Each year in the UK alone, God enables Gideons to present over 50,000 testaments to college and university students and 600,000 testaments to school pupils. My name is Andy Freeman and I teach here at Bramcote Hills Sports and Community College. The testaments are given out in an assembly. It is a real sense of occasion, even though it's only a, perhaps a 10 minute assembly slot. Um, you say to students three or four years later, do you remember the time when the Gideons came in? They'll immediately say, yes, we remember that as, as standing out as an important occasion. The help section is often, I think, the first thing that students um, refer to. Thousands of UK hotels have Bibles placed by Gideons. All my working life, I've been in the steel industry. Then in 1978, I started up my own business. My motivations, basically, in, in business was to make money. Uh, I was really into having um, how good houses and cars and all that sort of paraphernalia. I went uh, on a business trip up to Renfrew in Scotland. I was feeling suicidal. Not long previously my wife had left me and uh, I was really at rock bottom. I was sitting on the end of the bed of my hotel bedroom and uh, I was going round and round in my mind uh, concerning my wife. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw this book on the bedside table. I realised then that it was the Holy Bible uh, placed by the Gideons. I seemed to just flick through the pages. I wasn't interested at all, but then I came across at the front um, Bible helps. It was like an index which guided me to such things as feeling afraid or lonely or distressed. It really had a powerful impact on me. Um, it convicted me of the sinful life that I'd had, um, not least the lack of love that I'd shown my wife, my materialistic life. The next morning when I woke up, things seemed to have changed. Uh, I couldn't put my finger on it, but looking back, I realised that all thoughts of suicide had been taken from me and uh, the Lord had given me hope. Our Lord calls everyone to himself. Gideons carry that call by distributing God's word in all walks of life. We need your prayer and financial support for our ministry in over 180 countries. We cannot keep pace with the current demand for scriptures, and there are yet more countries still to open up. Most of the 60 million scriptures we place each year are provided by the Christian community in wealthier countries such as the United Kingdom. Like many Christian men, I wanted to serve God, but I was busy with my business and a little bit wary about taking on something else. And certainly, an invitation to a Gideon dinner was definitely not in my thinking. 
But my wife and I, we went anyway, and we just felt touched by God and something of the Word. It's a great opportunity to share the message of Jesus in fellowship with other Christian brothers and sisters. And we're supported by people who pray for the work. What more could you want in God's service? You can help us through prayer, as a friend or member, or through individual or church giving. Every penny we receive goes to purchase scriptures. Thank you, I hope you enjoyed that. Who are the Gideons? We are men and women who believe in the infallible word of God, the Bible. Oh, we come from different denominations, but we got this one aim. To win men and women, boys and girls, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Gideon's was started in 1898, and since then, let me get out the way, can you see it? 2,172,985,988 scriptures have been distributed worldwide. And after Dave said about the story, I think I should just bring that in now. In 19, 1898, or before that, a, a little boy of 12 years of age lost his mom. But before she died, she said to him, promise me you will read a portion of God's word every day of your life. And that little boy's name was John Nicholson. He grew up and he kept that promise to his mother. And John Nicholson was a, what we used to call as a commercial travel traveller, or today a salesman, travelling around America. And one night he found himself in the city of Wisconsin. And he always went to this hotel... And he came in and he saw the manager and the manager said to him, I'm so sorry, John, we have got no room for you. And you could see the disappointment on John's face. But he said, there's one gentleman who has got two beds in his room. Would you be willing to share with him? He said, yes. So he went up. And the other man was here, and John Nicholson wrote up reports of that day. But before he got into bed, he remembered that promise he had made to his mother. And he got out God's word, and he started to read it. At that moment, the other man who was in bed looked up, <laughs> 
and said, I believe in God's word. And he said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could put God's word where people could read it? And that's how Gideon started. The world population is approximately 7.4 billion. And two-thirds do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. In the UK alone, only 3% again are born-again Christians. So we have to work while we have light. God's word gives hope to the hopeless, gives life to the lifeless, and gives faith to the faithless. Last year in the UK, 826, 236,000 scriptures were distributed and 91.8 million worldwide. Gideons are in over 200 countries and in a book form in over 100 languages. But there's something else for all this new digital age. There is a Gideon Bible app, which you can download and allows you to read or listen to the Bible in over 1,200 languages. So, this ed- so if there's anybody here who comes from abroad, another country, get that app, go into the country, go into the language, and you will probably be able to down- read that Bible or listen to it in your own language. In each little Bible given out, or on that app, is the way to find help pages. So if people don't know what way to look in God's Word for the situation they are in, they can turn to that front of that book or the app, and it tells them where to read. Out of all the 200 countries, only 16 are self-supporting. The rest rely on those 16 to supply all the scriptures for them. And at present, Gideons cannot keep up with the demands for scriptures. Locally, we distribute approximately between 5,000 to 6,000 each year locally. All depends virtually how many schools we can get into and do it. But I'm going like, to ask you now to ask Jude, Alan and Judith to come up and tell you about the local work. You remember on the video you just looked at, the school said, they remember the Gideons coming because two men looking smart came into the school. So I thought I'd better put my tie on this morning. Uh, Well, we do uh, go like this when we go into a school because the school expects the children to wear ties and look neat. So it's the least we can do to do the same. And when we go into a school, we're very well received. 
Well, all but four in the Newport and Lower Wye Valley area, there are some of them that have actually refused to allow us in this year. There were two others last year that didn't allow us in. So discreetly, we had a word with uh, one or two parents uh, of the children of age uh, 11 and said, your, your children are not getting any Bibles because they won't allow us in. So the Parents Association helped. <laughs> and we've been into both those schools and both those schools were a bit suspicious because they've changed the staff, etc. And they came in to listen to what we were saying. And as a result of that, we were very warmly received. They, you can come in any time you like, they said, which is tremendous. And some of those schools are where your children, your friends' children and whatever will go. I'm not going to mention them because that wouldn't be right, those schools, because next year things might change. But when we go into a school, we stand just like this. We're allowed about 10 minutes, quarter of an hour uh, to speak to the children. There's usually about 150, 200 children. Not everybody in our branch could do that. Not many people felt that they could stand in front of kids. You never know what's going to happen. Well, we used to be teachers, and so <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. Um, but they listen because we give a demonstration of how God's Word is so positive. And one of the speakers with us um, was a teacher in Newport. He has a whisper in the ears of the pupils and say, uh, just one of you, I want some volunteers, one of you, lie down on this stage here, don't move. And another pupil, he gives a white stick and puts on sunglasses. And then he proceeds to tell how Christ has changed these people. And the little lad who is lying down, or the lass that is lying down on the floor, stands up and says, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. And uh, it's a good opportunity to show that Christ can work miracles. And the one that is with the white stick, he, can, he says, I now can see, I can now see. And then we're able, and the kids lap it up. And they listen very, very well indeed. We never have any trouble uh, with 11-year-olds listening to what we say, and which is tremendous. But you know, I say this when I'm speaking, because I take it in church with others. I asked, as I said earlier, how many of you got this little red book? And um, amongst the teachers, you say, said, teachers usually stand around the edge. Have you got a little red book like that? Oh, yes, yes, we got a little red book. And I said, well, you don't have to put your hand up now, but do you read it? <laughs> and then proceed to talk to the children. I'll tell you a story about one uh, person that received a Bible like this as a pupil, took it home, didn't really want to read it, put it in a drawer and forgot it. Went to college and he got a degree and he thought, well, what I'll do, I'll do the world. And so he traveled around the world with a, a, world with a few pounds in his pocket and found odd jobs here and there. And noticed that when he got to India, there was an awful lot of religious people in India. Do you know they used to go to their churches and their worship? Incredibly. Well, perhaps I ought to do the same, he thought. But I haven't got my Bible with me. I left it home. Well, I tell you what, I'll go into a shop. He went into a shop and said, excuse me, do you sell British Bibles? And nicely they said, get lost. <laughs> because they didn't. 
So he thought, well, I, I need to really read the Bible if, it, if the people here are so, so religious. So what shall I do? I think I'll stop somebody in the street. Now, God has planned this. I don't suggest you do it because it might not be the plan in your life. But he went into the street and there were hundreds of cyclists going one way and another. And he went out in the street and he grabbed one. He said, excuse me, sir, have you got a Bible? And the man got off his bike and said, yeah, do you want one? Wow. And he gave him an English Bible. Don't know who he was. And the lad read it, was staggered by how God was speaking to it, speaking to him through it because he does. Those things in the front that help us, rather than randomly working your way through, look at the beginning. And if you're feeling a bit low, if you're feeling high, if you're feeling your grandmother's just died or very close to you, you're going through difficulties, read that section and God will speak. Guarantee. It's interesting. Those folks who got these little red Bibles, you go home and see what the reading was for today. And you realize what we felt like when we were preparing to come here today. Because when we read it, God speaks to us. There's a very strong purpose of why we're here today, to share God's word with you and also encourage you. See, I, I, we go to other churches and speak occasionally, and some churches won't have as many people in them as this few on the front row, but they love the Lord. And they're trying to do the work we pray for them. Every, everybody that we have connections with, when we have our monthly meeting, the Gideons, we pray for our churches and our supporters because there's some churches that will certainly close because there are not many people going there. But God's got his way. You've been here for 30 years. God's had his way. It's amazing. One of the parables that I like is the parable of the sower. Remember the farmer went out in the fields and he sowed his seed. Some fell on stony ground. That will happen. We don't know these children we give these Bibles to if they'll read them there and then. But this land I just told you about came to fruition later on in life. We plant the seed. We can't give the increase. God gives the increase. God does. And we've been so thrilled by the amount of response we get sometimes later on in a person's life. And they write a little letter and say, I found my Gideon Bible. Thank you very much for giving me that 30 years ago or however long. God's been speaking to me. And it's so warming to the heart to have that. And there is one uh, situation that I will just emphasize now. Somebody went to your school, you picked it up, you read it to your dad, your dad was influenced, and now here we are. God's plan. God's plan. I have to emphasize that I'm not a teacher. <laughs> Um, thank you for having us. It's so good to be with you all, and we're so, you know, well, warmly welcomed by you all, and we do really thank you for that. It just makes us feel more at home. Um, there are seven ladies in our branch. Um, we're all 
involved with our husbands in this work, and it's a great privilege to work with our husbands together in this work and to try and you know, share God's word with people. I'm just going to speak to you about the hospital distribution. I'm sure everybody has seen that one in the locker. Yeah? Well, we go along and we cover all the hospitals from Newport to Pontypool. We go to St. Joseph's Private Hospital as well, and the Monmouth and Chepstow one as well, and all the rest in Newport. And when we go into the hospitals, it's a great opportunity because we go on a Saturday morning and our husbands come along with us and it's much quieter and we get, we get a lot of time sometimes to speak to the patients and, and chat to them about our faith and it's a real encouragement to us. And we go along and we give this little one, offer this little one to all the doctors, the nurses, the canteen staff, the cleaning staff, everybody who comes into our way even to the relatives who perhaps are anxious, waiting for news from their beloved, their loved ones. And we get rid of so many of these, and we share the gospel a lot in the hospitals. And I had a lovely encouragement when we went to the Gwent a few weeks ago. Um, we were doing the, it was the, the, the people who were in the pre-maternity then. And I was hovering outside a small ward in the, in, on the side of the, the corridor, and I was wondering, should I go in or not? Because I could see that the young lady was very, very distressed. But she saw me hovering and she called me in. So I asked her, could I check her locker for a Bible? And she said, yes. And I said, you seem very upset. Can I, can I pray for you? She went on to tell me that she was on the third baby. And this baby, it was only 22 weeks before it was due. And she was, had been admitted because there was problems with this little baby. And she was so very upset, and I said to her, can I pray with you? And she said, oh, yes, please. So I had the, had the opportunity to pray with her and gave her a little Bible herself to take home. And as I left her, she was reading it, and she said to me, God sent you in here to me this morning. So it was so lovely. I was really pleased. <clears throat> But it is a, go a good opportunity to speak with the patients, and because it's Saturday and it's quiet, you know, we can share our faith with many of them. So that's lovely. Um, I just wanted to read a testimony, if you'll bear with me, from a Bible that was given out in Morriston Hospital. A gentleman was admitted to Morriston Hospital with terminal cancer. While there, he picked up the Gideon Testament and began to read it, but he couldn't really understand what he was reading. He noticed that the man in the next bed was also reading his Bible, and he asked him if he could explain it to him. Now, the gentleman in the next bed was a retired pastor, so the Lord had gone before him. <laughs> and they began reading it together, and he explained it to him as they read it. When the man returned home, he rang the local branch of the Gideons and asked if they could take a Bible to him, which they did. He continued reading it, and the Lord wonderfully converted him. When he was too ill to read it himself, his wife began to read it to him, and she was also saved. Praise the Lord, this man has since died and gone to be with the Lord. And how wonderful that God used one Bible to save two people. And, you know... And the Gideon who told me this story was the one who had gone to present the Bible to that man. And he was so encouraged because we place the Bibles. We don't know what happens to them, but God knows. We place them. He does the work. 
And I'm just going to finish with a little illustration about a starfish. Some of you might know it, but I think it's worth finishing with. There was a little boy walking along a beach, and all along the edge of the sea there were starfish. And every now and again he'd pick one up and throw it into the water. And unbeknown to him, an elderly gentleman was watching him, and he said to him, what are you doing that for? It won't make a difference. And he threw one in the sea again. He said, it'll make a difference to that one. And as Gideons, that's what we feel. Every Bible that God allows us to place can make a difference because as we all know, lives can be transformed through reading God's word. And we give him all the praise and all the glory. And we would value your prayers to help us to do this work. Thank you. Before we come, we never tell each other what testimonies we're going to say. And I didn't know Alan was going to talk about India. And I thought I would finish my little part of the service by telling about a testimony in India. It's one of the fastest growing countries for Gideons in the world. And I want to take you to India now and take you to a city called Calcutta. 18 million people live in the city, and about 5 million come in each day for work. There are many forms of transport in Calcutta, but one of them is the rickshaw. These rickshaw drivers pull the carts along the streets and are usually very thin and only live to about 36 years of age. Patel was one of these rickshaw drivers. And one day, Patel picked up a very important gentleman. When he put this cart away in the night, he noticed something under the seat of the cart. And lifting the little rug that was covered, I suppose, he could see a briefcase. He opened that briefcase and he was amazed. Inside was very important looking papers and lots and lots of money. Partel slept that night as the briefcase as his pillow. The next morning he thought, I got to return this briefcase. And he, remember, he knew where he had taken the gentleman, about five miles outside the city, to a Hindu school. So Patel got his cart, went out. He got to the school, and there's the guard on the school. And the guard stopped him and said, what do you want? He said, I want to see the gentleman I dropped off yesterday, very important gentleman. The guard said, no, you can't. Leave the briefcase with me, and I'll get it to him. But Patel was very determined. He wouldn't. And eventually, he found himself in front of that man who was the headmaster or director of that school. He was so pleased to get his briefcase back. He opened it up and could see all the papers and all the money. 
and he looked at Patel, he said, you could have disappeared into the back streaks of Calcutta and never wanted for money again. He said, what made you bring this back? He replied, as he took out a little Gideon Testament from his pocket. About six months ago, he had another fare, another passenger, who had given him this little testament. And he said, he told me about a saviour who loves me and forgiven me for all my past and promised me a home in heaven when I die. I was brought up a Hindu, stealing for a living. But this little book changed my way of life and changed my life forever. That's why I brought this briefcase back to you. When he had gone, the headmaster went to the phone book, looked up the phone number of the local Gideons and rang them up. The Gideon said to him, you were in Hindu school, what do you want? He said, I want 1,700 Bibles for my pupils. And you can imagine the Gideon was probably so amazed. The headmaster said, if that book can change the life of a rickshaw driver, I want everyone for my pupils here. Right, we're just going to show you a short DVD to, to just to finish it off now. Thank you. Elliot Osworth. Men, everything that we do in this ministry, absolutely everything, should have one objective in mind and should be contributing to the achievement of that objective, and that is to win men and women and young people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we do that through the distribution of the Word of God and through personal witnessing. And as God's Word tells us, it does not return unto him void. And it inspires and encourages us to hear testimonies of men and women and young people whose lives have been changed as a result of this word that they have been given by a Gideon or auxiliary that have placed this scripture somewhere in the highways and byways of life. Tonight, we have Elliot Oswit to come and give us his testimony of how the word of God has touched his life. Would you please welcome Elliot Oswit? I don't know if you can imagine what it's like not to know Jesus, but I grew up that way. I was taught that he was not the Son of God, he was not the Messiah, that our people are still waiting for the Messiah. You see, I'm Jewish. And I was brought up in a traditional Jewish home, went through all the hoops and hurdles, and, and even went through bar mitzvah and, and confirmation, everything. But when I was 17 years old and I left home to join the army, I realized now, didn't know it then, but I never knew, never heard, never learned that I could have a personal relationship with God. So at the age of 17, I left him 
far behind my life. In that time, I was married, had children in and out of the army, picked up some very destructive, bad habits that became addictions in my life. At the age of 47, it came to a screeching halt. I was uh, involved in the tour business, and I was traveling about, working for a company out of England. You wouldn't have heard of it. I call them heathen tours. My job as a tour director was to satisfy the needs of my passengers no matter what. And I was far from the Lord, far from my family, and I fell over and over and over, and it became an addiction. I lived for that lifestyle. It came to a halt on Christmas Eve of 1996. You see, in 1996, in early part of that year, my wife developed breast cancer and uh, had to have a radical mastectomy. As she began to take the chemotherapy after the, after the surgery, we got a call from the Sheriff's Department down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that our daughter had been arrested. This was the 15th time in 10 years that she had been arrested. This time it was very serious. She embezzled a quarter of a million dollars from her employer and we couldn't do anything to keep her out of prison. She was sentenced to three years. She left us to take care of her two children, our grandchildren. My wife was going through such a terrible time. I remember sitting in the courtroom that night or that day when my daughter was sentenced and my wife was holding my hand and as she wiped a tear from her eye, she brushed her hair and then she elbowed me like this and she said, look, and I looked down and there was a tuft of hair in her hand. That was the first day the chemotherapy kicked in and, and started the hair loss. And, we're watching our daughter in an orange jumpsuit chained to criminals going out into a, into a bus to go to prison. The worst part of it all, brothers and sisters, is that I wasn't there for my wife. That day I was, but generally I wasn't there for her through all the hardship. I was out doing my thing in the world. On Christmas Eve, I came home to a locked house. Now, I say that because where I live, you don't lock the houses. We, we don't bother with that. But I knew my wife was in the house. It was Christmas Eve. It was snowing or icy coming down. And, and I'm knocking and knocking on the door. And I said, let me in. And she finally comes to the door, no hair on her head. She had, um, her, her eyes were red and puffy. And, and, and she was just, just weeping. And I knew something extraordinary was wrong. And she came to the little window in the door. And she said, you can't come in. And I said, why not? She said, because I know where you've been, I know who you've been with, I know what you've been doing, and you're no good for us. You're just no good for us. Just, just go away and leave us alone. So I left the house, and I got in my truck, and I started to drive around that cold, dark night. And, and I, I realized that for the first time since I think I was ever born, that I started, I can look back now, but I didn't know this then, but I believe that's when God began to work in my life. Because that time as I sat in the truck driving around, I started to feel a weight come down on me that was all the pain that had caused my wife throughout our marriage. All the pain that she had gone through dealing with me. And, and I could even feel the loneliness of my daughter sitting in a cell somewhere in Raleigh in a prison. And who knew what was going on in there? And I started to take on this responsibility for the first time in my arrogant life. And I realized at that moment that I'd never see my wife again. I'd blown it. I'd never see my babies, my grandchildren. I'd never see my home again. And my life was basically over. So I went to a motel in Jefferson, North Carolina. Had a gun in my truck. Made a decision to end my life that night.
And um, I sat down on the bed in that room, and, and um, I want to tell you something. <laughs> uh, you may know this. God has a sense of humor. He has a real sense of humor. I'm sitting there in the most dramatic moment of my life with a gun in my hand, and I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the reason I t tell you that is because, you know, you sit in the bed, and I'm facing the door, and, and I had to get up from the bed to walk around the end of the bed to get to the bathroom in the back of the, of the room. And on the, I have been in many countries around the world, and, and I have seen these books laying around, and I used to go into a motel room and maybe some of you turn on the TV the first thing or go to the bathroom the first thing. The first thing I ever did when I walk in a motel room, if that book was not in a drawer, I put it in the drawer. I did not want to see the Christian Bible. I had nothing to do with it. So I would always put it in a drawer. But this night it wasn't in a drawer and it wasn't on the table. It was on the TV and it was open just like that. It was put there on purpose that way. And I went by it on my way to the bathroom. And I looked at it, and I remember saying, who needs that? Who needs that? And, and, and I took my hand, and I just swiped it off on the floor, and it fell at my feet open. Well, I couldn't stand that. So I took my foot to kick it under the bed, and they had built a wooden frame under the bed, <laughs> and it wouldn't go under the bed. And it just kind of hit it and came back out under the, under the bedspread. <clears throat> well, I couldn't stand it, so I picked it up and I was going to throw it off into the corner and I looked down and I just noticed it said John on the very top of the page. I had no idea who John was. And I looked down and this verse just gripped my face. Literally grabbed me. Here's what it said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Listen to this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I just closed. I said, oh, God, who knew I needed that right then? Right then. And I looked up the page, and it said Jesus. And I had to put it down because I couldn't do Jesus. I'm Jewish. I can't, I can't believe in Jesus. But what happened at that moment was I picked up the phone, and I called my wife. And I, and I asked her how I could ever make up. I'm so sorry. How could I make up? And she, and she said, you got yourself into this. You're going to have to get yourself out of it. I called her pastor that night. He came to see me the next morning, and to make a very long story short, on Sunday morning, after studying the scriptures and the Old Testament and the New, putting it all together, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I actually received him as my Savior. It took me about a year to really understand, and he became my Lord while I was attending a Baptist Bible college. The Lord called me into ministry. I am, uh, I am just so thankful that he saved my life that he saved my wife's life, that the auxiliary visited my daughter in the penitentiary and gave her a Bible on the second visit she got on her knees and received Christ. We were baptized together on Easter Sunday morning, not long after that. God has been so good to me and my family. I can't thank him enough. Anytime I have an opportunity to share what his excellence and his power and his grace have done in my life through this, it, it just... It's humbling to be able to share this. And I just came here today to thank you for the work that you do. I have felt such enormous energy, Holy Spirit energy in here this evening. I am overwhelmed. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, and I just want to say God is awesome. He's got a great sense of humor. He took this big old Jewish boy from California, and he turned him into a Baptist preacher in the mountains of North Carolina. <laughs>
awesome God. God's word in Isaiah 55 verse 11 say, it will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish all that he sent it to do. And that was Gideon's do. We give God all the praise and all the glory. Nothing of us, we just play Bibles. Can I ask you, just play for the close countries. There's still a lot of close countries which Gideons are trying to get into. Bible blitzes that go around the world where Gideons go across and for a fortnight from all different countries and blitz a place with Bibles. And after all this time in Gideons, I'm still amazed how many thousands, sometimes millions, are given away within two weeks. And pray for Gideons International worldwide. Locally, we still got closed schools. Please pray that these schools will open and pupils will not be denied the, the, you know, the, the, having God's word given to them. And we pray for members to carry on our work. And we also go one other problem. We've got to store these Bibles, not our present. Our present storage is going to finish in about June, July. So pray that we will find another place to store the Bibles. But God, the Holy Spirit, do the work. We just place them. Please come up after. We've got some literature and ask us questions. And if anybody haven't got a Bible, please come and ask us for one. I can ask Dave to come up now to say thank you to him. He's been... He's been Let's give Jesus praise. Wasn't that fantastic? I think, do you know what? I think we've got to have a visit from them once a year at least. At least. Absolutely wonderful. Do you know what? It is so encouraging for me, and I'm sure for everybody here, Glyn, Alan and Judith. I called you Jennifer again, didn't I? I'm so sorry. Do you know what? We are so encouraged. Just by your hunger to give God's word to other people. You know, they came down on, uh, was it Friday? Was it th Friday? Thursday. Thursday morning. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about what we were going to do today. And um, as, as they got in the car, as uh, Judith and, and Glyn got in the car, they just started to ask about the school building. And uh, they said, oh, what goes on in that school? And I told them about Kaleidoscope and about the, the people that, that are receiving help from Kaleidoscope. I said, there's probably about 300 people that go through that on a daily basis. So with that, now this is the kind of fire and the kind of spirit that's, that's in them, right? It's, it's really tangible. It's wonderful. With that, Glynn says to Judith, quick, get in there and get some Bibles in there. 
<laughs> so I said, I said to Glenn, I said, I, and, and Judith, Judith, I said, we know the manager in there, or Haley knows the manager. Maybe we can set up a meeting. All right, then he said, we, we'll, we'll, we'll go that way. But he was going to send the wife straight in, right, <laughs> with the boxes of Bibles to start distributing. I'm telling you now, that is the hunger for God's Word that I want. That's what we all want, isn't it? It really, really is. And they came, uh, I think it was Glenn that phoned Haley, and um, just so hungry to give God's Word out to to the, to the team in Jesus Cares. On one particular day, we had Lloyd's TSB um, come, in, come in, as they do regularly, to pack hampers in Jesus Cares just a few weeks ago. Down comes Glynn, armed with the Word of God, stands in front of the team that had come to, to uh, pack hampers, and just gently, as he does, just spoke about the wonderful promises in God's word and said, hey, listen, we've got some, we've got, I got some Bibles. If you would like one, please, I'd love you to have one. Is there anybody that would like one? This big guy, top guy puts his, you know, the, probably the leader of the pack puts his hands up, puts his hand up, says, I'll have one, mate. Thank you. And then suddenly everybody else started to put their hand up and the word was distributed. I'm telling you, it's absolutely, it is an honor it is our honor. To have you today. To hear the great work that you are doing. Yes, and Brenda is over in the children's church. Teaching our children about the word of God. Come on, let's give thanks to Jesus. So we're going to, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're at, we're at the close of our service right now. What a wonderful presentation. We're just going to pray for Glenn, for Judith, for Alan, and for Brenda. And um, we're going we're gonna to receive an offering for the work that they do. I'm telling you now, we're going to give you an opportunity. I think it was just under a month ago we did an offering for Vision Rescue that works in Mumbai in India with, um, with, with children and with, uh, with, with parents and, and, and helps them with addictions and education. And we as a, as a, as a family raised £2,000 for that project. I'm telling you now, I want to give, I want to give not only my life but my money into providing the Word of God and placing it into the hands of people that don't know Jesus. One of these Bibles was given to me, free of charge. When we went to Florida just um, earlier uh, this year, was it this year, Faye? Last year. Oh man, I can't keep up with it. Last year, I opened the, I opened the drawer, there it was. The Gideon's Bible. I, it blessed me so much. And now they're here. Over two trillion Bibles given out across the world in over 200 nations. Printed in all kinds of languages. In every language under the sun. I'm telling you now. We're going to give this morning. And please, you know, just give generously. Give with a cheerful heart. Give what you can. Give what you can. You don't have to make a big, huge promise, but just give what you can. Give what the Lord tells you to give today, and every single penny will go 
to this work to the Gideons in distributing the word of God. Father, we thank you. Just stretch your hands out to to Glyn, to Judith, to Alan, and to Brenda. We're praying for them now. Lord, we thank you. Oh, what a great, great word we've heard this morning. We thank you, God, for these, these men and women that have devoted their lives to serving you. Lord, in the, in the ups and the downs of life, whether they're walking strong or whether they're weak, whether they're having a good day or a bad day, Lord, it doesn't matter. They, they have set their faiths like flint, like you did, to get the Word of God out into the hands of children in schools, people suffering in hospitals, the armed forces, wherever they can take it. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we, you would satisfy them with long life and show them your salvation we pray that the same fire that's in them lord would be in us too lord god for your word lord we ask it in jesus name in jesus name for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. And I've already said to Glenn, you know, Glenn and Alan said to me about the storage problem. And I said, whatever we can do. I'm telling you now, we put them under the tiered seating, right? We'll put them in Jesus Cares. They've got pa- a couple of pallets of Bibles. And if we can help with storing these Bibles. And he said to me in the back room, he said, well, he said, the boxes are heavy, you know. I said, Glenn, I said, when you collect, I said, you will never have to collect boxes of Bibles from this church. We will carry them to your car. We will put them in your boot. Whatever we can do. It's our promise to you. Whatever we can do to support you in the work that you do, we will gladly, gladly serve you. And that will not be an empty promise. We will do whatever we can do. We got a forklift. I got a forklift license. And every and Alex has got one as well. So we'll do whatever we can do to help you and support you. Amen. Is that okay? Fantastic. The team, steward team, are now gonna wait upon you and just give as the Lord instructs you. Be blessed today as you give. Amen. And don't forget, we've got tea and coffee at the end of the service. Also, there's the, um, the stand, the table at the back. And once you've given, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Maybe you're here today. And maybe it's the first time that you're visiting us. And you've been amazed by some of the stories that you've heard. Glenn and Alan and Judith talk about. Maybe you were amazed by what that gentleman said, Elliot, how God changed his life. Do you know what? God loves us so much. And maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Oh, Jesus loves us so much. He wants to save our lives. And I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment, just a short prayer. And maybe in your heart, you want to repeat the words that I pray put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to save you. And you're going to find that you're going to have that same peace that Elliot spoke about. You're going to find that you're going to have that same stillness of knowing that God is God that that lady spoke about on the video so wonderfully. 
let's just close our eyes one moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Savior, repeat this prayer with me. And just put your faith in him right now. Say this. Jesus, I come to you today to ask you, please forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I also believe that you rose from the dead, that you're alive. Thank you for wanting to be my savior. I ask you right now into my heart and I put my faith and my trust in you. Amen. Amen.